Hi everyone, this is Danielle Fritz. I'm a research assistant on the Contextual Safeguarding Program, and I worked with Dr. Jenny Lloyd to develop the audit toolkit. We're about to speak with Liz Ackerley, another research assistant with the International Center, about setting up and running focus groups with young people. Liz is an expert on creative and participatory research methods that involve children and young people in research on sexual violence. Many thanks to you, Liz, for contributing to the toolkit. Shall we get started? Sounds good. Uh, why do you think it's important to speak to young people? I think it's really important that young people are given a voice on matters that affect their lives. I think all too often we don't ask young people um, their opinions on, on what's going on and particularly if you're designing a service intervention um, or de designing a service for young people um, or thinking about something that you want young people to know about raising awareness for example it's really important that you get young people's opinions on how best to do that because they're the experts of their lives and they're the people that are going to know best thanks that's a really good starting point so now i think it'd be good to chat about what types of things a person needs to think about when planning a focus group okay so when planning a focus group First of all, you'll be thinking about who are the young people that you want to speak to, um, and that will inform then how you how you set about planning planning how that focus group is going to go. Um, so, in terms of the environment in which you speak to these young people, if you're going into a service that they use, for example, um, are you going to conduct the focus group there, or might it be better to have a focus group elsewhere? For example, if you're conducting a focus group in a therapeutic service for young people that they use it might be helpful to have it there to, to provide a kind of an environment in which they feel safe it might also be helpful to have it elsewhere so that that line between therapeutic work and research is not too blurred um, similarly in a school young people might feel safe in school likewise they might prefer to do it in a youth center so you'd be aware of who the young people are you're going to speak to and think through that before you start um, in terms of inviting young people to take part in the focus group you need really clear information sheets so that those young people know exactly what it is that they're signing up to and it's often really helpful to ask another young person to have a look through those information sheets so that you make sure that the language is accessible um, for, for the young people that are going to be reading it. Um, it. Other things to think about when planning are, we've already talked about kind of who those young people are, but do they know each other? What are those dynamics in that group? Um, what are some of the things that you might need to be aware of when thinking through planning? In other words, I, uh, a kind of a risk assessment um, for what are the potential issues that might come up. Um, that you need to think through beforehand. Um, you also might need to think about if those young people need support, so they might want a support worker, they might want a teacher in with them, um, and think through how you, you manage that beforehand. Great, and are there particular practitioners or people that you reach out to during the planning process, or does that also very much depend on the focus group that you're running? I think that really does depend on the focus group you're running. So, for example, if you're doing it within a therapeutic service, you would be in touch with um, the workers in that service who will often be the kind of conduit between yourself and the young person in terms of making sure they, the young person knows what they're signing up to, um, making sure they understand and consent to taking part. Um, likewise, in a school, you might be liaising with a teacher who can then pass on that information to those young people because often you'll 
this will be the first time you meet those young people and you might want another somebody else there to bridge that relationship before you get to know them. Great. And then once you've gone through the planning process and you're actually running the focus group, what types of things do you think about during the focus group itself? Great question. Um, and this is where your planning is really helpful because you will hopefully have an idea of who's in the room um, and something about, about the young people. Uh, in terms of it very much depends on, again, who the young people are and what age they are um, and how many young people there are. Somewhere between six and eight is usually quite good if you want to have quite an in-depth discussion. Um, so that's always, it's always worth bearing in mind how many you're going to be and how many researchers you are as well. Um, it's really, I think we're going to come on to talk about consent a little bit later, but that is really key. And often at the start of a focus group, you would spend a long time kind of talking about that consent process and making sure everybody understands what it is they're taking part in, where the information is going to go. Um, and likewise, a group agreement is often a really good starting point so that you as a group make a commitment to the time that you're going to spend together. Um, I mean, it might be an hour, it might be two hours, but so that you're all aware that during that time, there's a kind of, there are some ground rules for how you're going to work together. And it's often a really good idea to do that in collaboration so that everybody feels they've agreed to it um, and then get everybody to sign it and keep it on the wall so that you can kind of stick to that. And I, this might be a bit of a tough question, I suppose, but would you, do you dedicate a certain amount of time to that process of going over consent and laying the ground rules or is it, does that change depending on how much time you have available to run the focus group? It does to a certain extent depend on how much time you have um, and from my experience we nearly always run out of time because it's it, often these things take longer than you think so my advice would be to really leave in a, a bigger chunk of time than you think is necessary for that process um, because you want to leave time for questions so that everybody is clear on what you're there to do um, and not have to rush over any of that stuff um, but when you when you are thinking when you only have a very short space of time it's about kind of using using that time effectively and 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 making sure you don't try and cram too much in yeah i like the point that it's not just an after thought that you this is something you need to build into your thinking and it's something that's important to the research process it's not just a box ticking exercise uh okay so let's move on um It'd be great to hear what you think, what are the differences between speaking to young people um, as opposed to speaking to adults in a focus group setting? Um, that, that's kind of a tricky question because there are lots of similarities. Um, what I can do is talk broadly about kind of what's perhaps feels a little bit more specific to, to focus groups with young people. Um, but like I said, it's, it, this also applies to kind of focus groups adults as well but particularly thinking about communication so I mentioned the point about making sure your information sheets are really clear um, think about how you're going to communicate what language you're going to use um, don't use acronyms for example or if you're going to explain what they mean um, don't kind of don't assume knowledge but also don't not assume knowledge if that makes sense yeah. um, 
and the kind of the language you're going to use with a focus group of seven-year-olds for example is obviously going to be very different to the language you use in a group of 16-year-olds um so thinking through that first also thinking about kind of differing abilities within the group um, and concentration levels and making sure that you're aware of that before you start so that you can plan your focus group appropriately. Um, you might want to start off with an icebreaker, for example, um, and then move into um, kind of what you're going to talk about in the focus group, um, but be aware that you may need to think about different learning styles within the group. You might want to have more visual um, displays for some groups. Um, we find that mapping stuff out on the wall sometimes is really helpful um, for those people that kind of have a more visual memory. Um, and but also kind of some some groups might actually really like reading material and kind of having um, those kind of materials to look through. Um, so I think it's it's thinking through those things before you start, but also having I always think it's good to have other things in your bag if you need them. So for example, if everybody, if you're doing a day long focus group or an afternoon long focus group, for example, then suddenly at two o'clock, you know, everybody's really tired. It's something, it's good to have pick me ups and to, to change the, change the pace a little bit and, and be kind of adaptable and flexible to doing that. Great. And so you mentioned, in your response, you mentioned a bit about consent, and this came up in your earlier responses as well. So I wonder if we could just pick that apart a bit. Uh, as part of the audit toolkit, we provide consent forms, and it'd be great to hear about what you think the important things to think about when explaining consent to young people. Okay, so as I said, making it as clear as possible, so being really clear about what the focus group is about, where this information is going to go, um, and what, so a young person knows who they might want to talk to if the focus group brings up anything for them that they then want to speak to somebody about, so they've got a named contact on there. Um, that's all really important. Um, check also confidentiality and the limits of that. Um, so letting a young person know that if they do say something in that group that makes you worry about their safety or the safety of another young person that you will have to pass that on because you have a, a, a legal duty to do that um, but that there's a process in place for that so you wouldn't for example immediately then go to their worker or their teacher and pass that on without trying to have that conversation with the young person first um, and so really highlighting that with within the consent form and then when you go through that at the actual focus group um, making sure that those kind of the tick boxes are ticked but in in a way that young people understand um, and also I think something that feels really fundamental to me about consent is that it's ongoing and it's not the case that you know two weeks prior to the focus group a young person said yeah okay I'll take part they turn up and they tick all the boxes and say yeah but actually that you check in with them through kind of throughout and, and particularly at the end to make sure that there's nothing that they've said that they may later want to take out. Um, and often it's quite good to, to say at the end, is there anything you're not comfortable with that you shared? And on reflection, you don't actually want to go into our final report or into whatever it is that the focus group is um, leading to. Um, and often sometimes important to have a date. So perhaps saying two, you know, up to two weeks after you can, we can take out what you've said um, so that if they go home and think, 
actually I, I'm not happy I shared this particular anecdote and I don't really want to share that anymore um, and so that you can go back and take that out and just be really transparent about that process. Great, that leads really well into our next question um, about how you manage young people talking about their own experiences. And during the audit process and in focus groups with young people, um, we're not asking young people to speak about their experiences, but we understand that this may come up. So do you have any tips for managing this? I think during during the process of setting up the focus group, you would explain that it would probably be on the, well, hopefully be on the information sheet and also on the consent form as well around the fact that you're not, there's no expectation for young people to share their direct experiences, but that it's more a chance to talk about things that affect young people more generally. Um, but I think it's also important to give the message that it, hopefully you create a safe space in which young people feel okay to talk um, and that you're happy to hear what they want to say but there's no expectation I think that's the, that's the fundamental thing um, and often if you have created a safe space and young people feel comfortable they may want to share some of their experiences um, and so I think part of, part of partly why that consent process is so important is that young people know that if they do share something that makes them wor you worried, for example, you pass that on. Um, but also so that you've kind of created a, um, an atmosphere in which young people know or feel in control of the information that they're sharing. So quite often we use again the toothpaste game. So you get a tube of toothpaste and ask one young person to squeeze it all out onto a plate and then ask someone else in the group to put it back. And obviously that's possible because you cannot get the toothpaste back in. But the idea then is opening up that conversation around once you've said something, it's very hard to get it back. And especially in a group where there's more than one person, you don't know where that information is going to go. So not to kind of silence people in that group at all, but to kind of make them aware of that there's a, there's, there is a little bit of a lack of control once you've said something out loud so just to kind of have that in your head always before you say something um, so that's quite a helpful way of, of framing of framing that and, and kind of putting that in in people's minds to think about yeah you've mentioned a bit about processes if a young person discloses something that requires professionals to act um, can you speak a bit more about that? What what should someone leading a focus group do if a young person does disclose something that's um, potentially problematic or something that concerns the, the person running the focus group? Well, with any like everybody in the room would be aware of what that process is because hopefully that would have been explained in the con in the consent process or at least in the information sheet. Um, if a disclosure did come up during a focus group, it would be a case of talking to. Um, either the young person's worker or their teacher or their, their named kind of source of support um, with the young person's consent if possible. So wherever possible, talk to that young person about where, about the fact that you're going to have to take that forward and, and share that. And But maybe also checking in first around whether they have shared that with somebody else because it may be new information to you, but it may not be new information to a worker. Um, so checking in with the young person and, and perhaps facilitating then a conversation between that young person and, and a source of support. Great. And when the focus group is done and the person running the audit is writing up a report 
or thinking about how to use that information. Is there anything that the person in um, doing this should keep in mind? Um, I'm thinking here about transcripts, keeping names anonymous, things along those lines. Um, I think it's a good idea to decide beforehand how you're going to talk about the people that have made contributions to your report. Um, so for example, it, you might want to use names and in which case I would advise asking those young people maybe what they want to be called in the report. Um, so kind of again saying there's absolutely you know that we wouldn't use their real names um but they may want to choose a pseudonym or um or kind of whether you're going to have young person one young person two um and, and how you're going to do that but be really clear about the fact that it is anonymous um and they so that, yeah their contributions will will be anonymous and how do you communicate to the young people who've participated in the focus group? How do you let them know about what you found and what's being done with the information that they provided during the focus group? That's a really good point because often kind of researchers come into young people's lives, conduct a focus group and then leave. And, and um, I think that follow up is really important and often projects can last a really long time um, sometimes if you know that your time scales are really long it might be helpful to send a, an update of how the project is going in between um, so if the focus group took um, place in January and the report's not being released till December you know over the summer just to, to let them know how it's going um, but again when the report is released make sure you have a contact detail for for that young person and it may not be appropriate to have um, personal contact details but at least have contact details for the teacher or the um, the worker so that they can pass on that information to let young people know what what's come out of what they said great thanks i think yeah i think what we've been talking about is going to be really helpful for people running the audits and thinking through not only how to run focus groups with young people, but I think you've also pointed out the real value in, in running them and how this can feed into the audit process. Um, before we let you go, we're just wondering if you have any final tips for people that'd be running these focus groups and working on the audit process. Um, I think probably my main tip is just to have fun with it. it. You know, it should be an enjoyable process. Having a say is really important. Often the feedback we have from young people um, who take part in these focus groups is, you know, nobody's asked us our opinion about this before and we have a lot to say. Um, so I think the, the value of them is, is really evident, really important to asking people what they think. Um, and it can be a really enjoyable experience. So if you get your planning right and kind of have a variety of, of different activities going on, I think it can be a really rewarding experience for everyone involved. Perfect. I think that's a good place for us to end.